The final countdown. I think all of us know that we're living in, and we've been talking about this over the last few weeks, some, and focusing on where our focus needs to be is really being solid and based uh, of what we're doing and, and, and what we believe on the Word of God. There's a lot of static out there in the world, a lot of things happening, and we have noticed that world events are taking on a different shape, a different flavor these days. There are so many things happening that we never thought a few years ago could happen. True? Um, and they're happening on a global scale. Now, there are a lot of the things that are mentioned that we read a few weeks ago. I don't think that sermon's online, but it may be on our Facebook if you go back. And by the way, uh, if you got your app, your version Bible app, uh, you can pull up and uh, find notes for today. If you're on Facebook, our church page, there's a link that you can get notes uh, to go along and you can add to them today. But on your app, uh, you know how to search for it. You can find them there. Uh, we've got notes. I always want to mention that so you don't forget and that you use them, all right, to just kind of add to them. So you've got something you can use there. Either follow the link uh, or if you're at home, you can still do that and have some notes to go along with us here. But, um, but so, so we've talked about that in the last few weeks and how that a lot of these things that Jesus talked about and the Bible talks about happening in the last days. Remember, Jesus said that these, when you see these things happening, these are like the beginning of birth pangs. And in Luke, we read where he said that, you know, don't get terrified. These things don't hap won't happen all at once or just immediately. Or it, it, it's like... It's like the things that, act, is this a fulfillment of things that we're reading about in the Bible? Well, could be, or at least those things are producing ripples that we're feeling right now as we're getting closer. You understand what I'm saying? As we're getting closer, all these things begin to intensify. And on a global level, I mean, you know, now only in like, well, like Daryl, in your lifetime, we've got the capability of blowing up the planet Right, And I grew up a mile away from a Titan II missile that was in the ground in central Arkansas. There was a big warhead there, nuclear, a mile away. I thought, everybody didn't everybody have a missile in their backyard? I don't know. That's all I ever knew. You know, helicopters come over and land over there. But uh, yeah, that it's gone now. It's gone now. But uh, I don't know where it is. But it's gone from there. Anyway, as a kid, I know as on your bicycle, you could only ride up that road so far until they would stop you and things. But anyway, we, we have that in our world. And then, you know, have the, I mean, haven't things changed a lot in the last hundred years with travel and with everything connecting the whole planet and the internet and satellites? So everything's happening globally. And even the things happening in our world, and we're praying for brothers and sisters in Ukraine. And not only that, but in a lot of other countries. Did you know in China and a lot of places, the Bible app I was just talking about, that you can't have that. In a lot of, a lot of Middle Eastern countries, you can't have any of that. But we have brothers and sisters there in those countries. We have so many people that are sacrificing so much more for their faith in Jesus Christ than what any of us ever have. And they're willing to put it on the line and spread the gospel. And here we want to, I mean, we got people in America coming to church and fussing about all kinds of silly stuff today. And, and there's brothers and sisters around the world meeting together and just enjoying the precious moments that they have to fellowship and to sing praises to God and to get scripture and to get some teaching so they can go and live it and share it. At risk of their lives, many case, in many cases, or at least of being hassled or arrested. And then, you know, like, and we just don't like the color of something, you know? 
Oh, wow. But things are ramping up. Things are happening that, uh, yeah, they changed a lot in the last 10 years. I mean, like, like the iPhone's only been out, what, just a little over 10 years? That seemed possible. Um, yeah, uh, the last five years. How about the last two years of things changed a lot? Yeah. And now we can't even find canned biscuits. You know? So all this stuff starts happening in the world. There's two things. I'm going to go get some canned biscuits and toilet paper. Right? <laughs> so we're ready. Oh, man. Well, what are we supposed to do? How are we supposed to live with all this going on? We're like, oh, is this, this is, what, what's going on? What's supposed to be our focus? Well, I've got good news for you because this is exactly the kind of thing that Peter was talking to Christians who were going through a lot of trials in the first century. Now, nearly 2,000 years have come and gone since then, but I want you to read this with me. Are you there? 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 7. So he says this. I want you just to follow the thought here. He says, the end of all things. Did you hear that? All things is at hand. Therefore, he's going to tell us, what do you do knowing this? Therefore, be self-controlled and sober-minded for the sake of your prayers. Above all, when he says above all, that means this is really important. Keep loving one another earnestly or fervently. Since love covers a multitude of sins. Show hospitality to one another. It means be nice to one another. Oh yeah, and then he adds this part. Without grumbling. Oh boy, he had to add that. I just grumbled. I just did it. <laughs> hey, I'm good at it. How about you? <laughs> Comes natural. Now, I'm a, I'm a natural. Then he says in verse 10, As each has received a gift, use it to serve one another. As good stewards or managers of God's varied grace. Whoever speaks as one who speaks oracles of God. Whoever serves as one who serves by the strength that God supplies. In order that in everything God may be glorified through Jesus Christ. To him belong glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. Whew, he kind of gets carried away there. I get a little carried away. This is powerful living stuff right here. So... The people in the early church during the times of the apostles, if they're taught that the end of all things were at hand then, then they must be in the hand now. We're really getting there with all that has happened. Which, by the way, are we going to end up destroying ourselves? Well, the Bible says no. Mankind's not going to succeed in destroying this world. God's going to do that himself when he comes and judges this world. And he's going to create a new heavens and a new earth. And all of this we're getting on the brink of. So what I'm saying is there are so many things to distract us. And there's so many things to keep us, you know, um, um, on the wrong track emotionally and spiritually and mentally. That He gives us an adjustment here that we need to pay attention to. He tells us here's the things as these birth, birth pangs, as Jesus said, are increasing. As these things are getting closer and they're getting more intense and they're all more worldwide. All these things in the economy. We were, some of us talking earlier, like even our economy in America, it's not just about what happens here and what's going on here. There's stuff, we're all tangled up in stuff all over the world and anything that happens anywhere. I mean, you know what I'm saying? 
somebody does something crazy a half a world away and potato chips just like disappear. Can't even find them. I don't understand it. It's just like everything's so connected. And it shows you that we're getting in that time that now a lot of things that I thought in reading prophetic stuff, if it, if it does happen this way, I don't see how that could. Now it's kind of like, yeah, I can see how that could happen. Um, so we don't need to live in fear. We need to have that confidence that we have the victory through Christ. We were talking about the various views of end times a few weeks ago. Uh, there's various approaches of this. Uh, and there's fancy words to go with all of them. Uh, and, you know, so people want to debate about, well, is the Lord going to rapture the church out before the tribulation, during it, or after it? Or is all this symbolic or what? Um, I don't know exactly how all this is going to pan out, but I just do hope that I'm rooting for that first one there. Yeah, I, I would hope that he comes and just gets us out of here. That's, that's what I'm pulling for, but I want to be ready. So what do we do in the meantime? What is it? How are we supposed to react to, to, react to how things are, are the end of all things or they're, they're, they're at hand and, and we're living in these days and they're troublesome times. And these folks were living through some stress now. And they expected, did you know this? They expected Christ to come back during their lifetime. They really did. And every generation has that built into it so that we need to be ready. So here's what he said to do. It's amazing. There's just a few things that he throws out there. Are you ready? Let's go through them quickly. Um, so he says, first of all, Pray, pray. Do I go home and stock up? No, no. He says the first thing that you need to do is pray. Now, because of this, he says, we want to be clear-minded and watchful. Now, these two words that are, and they can be translated a lot of different ways in our English language, but both of those words are words that mean not to be distracted or impaired or asleep, okay? So um, let's look at that verse again. This is in the English Standard Version. The end of all things is at hand. Therefore, or because of that, in view of that, be self-controlled and sober-minded for the sake of your prayers. Don't get caught up on all the, uh, all the stuff going on out there. Uh, but be self-controlled. Now, the word that's translated self-controlled, serious, it could be in some translation, or even sober-minded, whatever. Um, it's a word that in the original language could be translated a lot of different ways, but here's what it means. It literally means to save the mind. It's a word that means to save the mind. Um, don't let your mind, here's kind of what he's talking about, about that, that word. Don't let your mind get so influenced, distracted, or corrupted from the truth of the word of God and the right focus. You need, to be, you need to be disciplined. And we did a whole series, what was it, a year ago about renewing our mind. And that's one of the things the Lord wants to do is, is how we think is shaped by Scripture, guided by the power of the Spirit of God. It's not shaped by just what's happening around us or by our culture or what our culture is saying. It's what the Word of God says, which never changes. Okay? And that's part of what that word is about. And then the other word is a word that's metaphorically used. It's translated sober-minded here, but it's metaphorically used for being sober or watchful. 
Uh, I think one reason why is that usually people who are like really drunk aren't very watchful, you know. They're kind of distracted and then they're asleep, right? So that's kind of that's kind of a metaphor because this is a common thing in their day too. So he says, you know, you need to be you need to be watching your mind, you need to be self-controlled, sober-minded, you need to be awake, you need to be clear clear-minded and watchful. It's why I put it up there that way. Clear-minded and watchful. Why? Why should you do this? Well, he says, for the sake of your prayers. I mean, all of this is about being practical. So many people want to figure out on these last days, what does this mean? What is, and they like to sell books, and they, they make money off of it, right? I mean, one thing happens, they're going to have another book. I don't know how, how all this is going to sequence. And, you know, the whole point of prophecy isn't just to give us information. It's for being practical so that we know how to live when we see these things happening. That's what it's about. That's the purpose of it. I mean, there's some guys I know and some pastors, man, they're just hard to deal with on this stuff. I mean, you know, you would almost think they are so smart that they're on the, they must be on the planning committee for the second coming of Christ. You know, it's like, wow. I don't want to be on the planning committee. I want to be on the welcoming committee. Amen. Yeah, that's what the whole focus of this is. And so don't get off track with all of that stuff. So all of this prophetic stuff is there to tell us how to live in light of what's going on around us. First thing is be serious, clear-minded, and alert. Why? So you can pray. So you know what the focus is here? The focus that you need to focus on first is not just on what's happening around you. It's on the Lord and his kingdom. The focus is on your practical, daily, personal relationship with God himself. Because that's part of that, that whole thing involved in the prayer life. That my focus needs to be on, and I need to be clear-minded and watchful, so that my focus is on my daily Personal relationship with God, my communication, my prayers, and where I'm interceding for others, where I am talking to God and God is speaking to me through his word and through his spirit. Pray. So as things get worse around us, are we complaining more? Are we getting more anxious? Or are we praying more? Are we feeling a sense of urgency for those around us who are walking in darkness and have no meaning or purpose in their life and aren't ready to meet the Lord? Is there a sense of urgency in actually living out the stuff that he's in, in producing the fruit of the Spirit through our lives? And that's what he's getting at here. So notice that the focus isn't on us. It's, all, it's still on him. Okay? It's hard for us in anything we do, even what we do for God, to not want to somehow get the spotlight on us. Instead of it all being on him. And I want you to see how it's all focused on him and who he is. So pray. And then the second thing that he tells us that, uh, that we're to do is, is here in 1 Peter chapter 4. The next verse, verse 8. He says, above all. Now, when he, when he says above all, that means like this, this right here is like one of the most important things. This is like premier. Okay? Keep loving one another earnestly. Um, so, first of all, watch this. We've got our spiritual attitude that is reflected by the fact that one of the first things you need to do is be in a position where you can continue to pursue that daily relationship with the Lord and pray. So it's talking about um, your attitude and your spiritual mindset there, clear-minded and watchful. And this is on the inside, and this is what's happening in you. 
what's coming out of you isn't just prayer, but there's action. There's actual things that you're doing. There is behavior. And it's produced by love. Because you can talk about loving people all you want to. But it's just like James is talking about faith. You can say you believe all you want to. But if it doesn't affect what you do, then all you have is a said faith and not a real faith. You may have a said love. You say you love. But if you really love, it's going to show. It's going to flow out of you. And that's why he says keep loving one another. When he's saying love each other, he's talking about action. This is action. What you do. Here it is. So what are we to do, Lord? And you know what the first thing he says besides praying? Love each other. Well, I thought we were supposed to get suspicious of each other and impatient with each other and all of that. No, that's what naturally we do. That's what the world does. But he says, you love each other above everything. In these crazy days in which we live, what do I do? Answer, love God and love others and let it show. Now, the degree of it is mentioned here, too. He says, earnestly, or it could be translated in some fervently. It's a neat Greek word that's translated into English there. And it literally means to stretch outside of yourself. When you say love, it's like you're doing it in a way that's bigger than you. It was a word that was often used for a runner that was straining to run and lean to the tape and get a little bit more. It's, it's trying to, it's just like, this is bigger. I need to love and I need it to be bigger than me. I need it to be God's love. I need it to be the love of Calvary that was shown by God on Calvary on the cross. I need it to be Christ's love filling me up and coming through me because I can't love like that. But he can in me and through me. And the good news is fruits of the spirit. First one, the fruit the Holy Spirit produces in our lives. In Galatians chapter 5 is love. Love, joy, peace, love. So there are times I say, Lord, I'm not capable of this love. And he says, that's right. Submit yourself and trust me and let me love through you. He will produce it. See, that's the thing about the fruit of the Spirit. The Holy Spirit produces the fruit. I don't produce it. He produces it. That's why it's real and that's why it's supernatural. All I do is bear it. I bear the fruit he produces through life. And that's what happens here. Uh, so this indicates his power, but also there's effort. When he says fervently, it stretch outside yourself, that there's got to be effort on my part. So there's a part that I'm responsible, that you're responsible for, and that is, that is I have to deny self and submit to him to let him do this. A lot of us won't let God love us, and we won't let God love others through us because, Lord, if you knew what they did. Well, he does know. He knows what they did. He knows how they've hurt you. How they've, how they, you've, maybe they've victimized you in some way. But it's nothing compared to what all we did to him. And the price that he had to pay on the cross to pay our sin debt. That's why he even told us. And now he says that I'll forgive you. We've talked about this before. When you forgive someone, it's like they have a debt. Oftentimes in the Bible, sin is pictured as a debt. Forgive us our debts as we forgive those who are indebted to us, right? Um, so it's like you're going to forgive someone. You've got to forgive their sin debt. He forgave ours by paying it. So it's like we say when you relate this to well, something else we can understand. Somebody owes you $100,000 and they can't pay it no matter how hard they try. Jesus even did a whole illustration mapped out like this, remember? 
about a guy that was forgiven a lot, and then he went and found someone that owed him just a little bit and wouldn't forgive. Remember that story? I'm not going to go there now, but many of you have read it. But it's like, if you forgive that debt and you tell him, I know you could never pay that, you're released, you're forgiven. That means I no longer hold you accountable for it, and I don't expect you to pay it. But who did pay it? The 100000 still gone. That means I myself absorbed that loss, right? Don't you understand that's what happened on the cross when he paid my sin debt and your sin debt, that none of us could ever be perfect or be good enough, that God himself paid the price. He absorbed the loss. He took the punishment that was due every one of us for an eternity separated from him. He did that on the cross. So now he can forgive and mark your sin debt and mine paid in full. That's what love does. And so he tells us not only, Lord, forgive us of our debts, our sins, but help us to remember to forgive those who've sinned against us. So it's a requirement. That's the only part of the Lord's Prayer that Jesus comes back and comments on in that Sermon on the Mount. He says, because if, you if you're not willing to forgive others, don't expect God to be forgiving you. This is something to flow through us. And I want to tell you, I understand how God can forgive, but Lord, you, you just, I just can't do it. Well, no, I can't. That's where I have to go through a process of growing by faith. And this is a process of trusting him so that he can help me let his forgiveness come through. Uh, by the way, forgiveness and trust are two different issues. You can forgive somebody, but don't let them hold your wallet, okay, uh, after that. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Trust is earned. Forgiveness is unconditional. So uh, same thing there that we need to remember in our relationship with the Lord. And then he says that this love, he says, since love covers a multitude of sins, that's how that happens. That's how our sins were covered, because God so loved the world, what? Are you with me here? He gave his only begotten son. And our love for each other, we're going to need this because not only do we sin against God, but a lot of times when I sin against God, I'm sinning against some of you too. And for us to continue to grow in this love, this is going to require that love to do what God did, and that's to forgive. And when he forgave me, it covered my sins. And others are going to sin against you, and you're going to sin against them, and we're going to need this love. And when we love each other the way God loves us and let his love flow through us, it will cover those sins. Otherwise, we're never, ever going to be able to be super close because we're always going to fail each other. Because as long as we're in this world, even though you're saved and redeemed, we still live in a sin-cursed body that has a sin nature. And we live in a sin-cursed world that makes it tough for us. Right? So I'm going to need God's supernatural help. And I'm going to need to let him work through me and in me to do this. But we're going to fail each other. And so um, I, it is tougher. It's, it's a lot easier for me to expect you to forgive me than me to forgive you. Right? You know? But not only am I going to have to give this, I realize I'm going to need it. I'm going to need you to do this for me. Because it's this kind of love that forgives and forgets. Well, I can forgive, but I can't forget. Well, what does he mean by that? Paul talked in Philippians about forgetting those things which are behind. That word doesn't mean that I don't remember it. It just means it has no power now. It has no value or weight. Yeah, I know it happened, but it's not controlling me now. It's not intimidating me. It's not making me bitter now. I'll let it go. You know, I can only do that through him. This right here, when this happens in our lives, and I've seen it happen so many times, this is a bigger miracle than somebody who come in here with both legs maimed and in a wheelchair being healed and getting up and walking or running out. This kind of miracle of being able to forgive and heal the heart is a bigger miracle than that. It really is. 
You know, we just sometimes fail to realize it. So love covers a multitude of sins. You see that? That's something that we're going to need to intensify as we get in these last days. And so when one way that we do that, we got to apply this every day. Um, you know, uh, part of the way this love shows itself is included in doing nice things for one another. Do show hospitality to one another without grumbling. Okay, so here's what we have. Above all, this is most important, fervently, intensely, and it covers a multitude of sins. And then he says, and be hospitable. That means treat each other nice. Put others ahead of yourself and do it without complaining. Because there have been times that I will do something very nice for you or especially my wife. And she's, she's tried to help me through the years understand this. Yeah, you did something good. And we you know us men, we, do so, we want credit. Brownie points. Payback, <laughs> whatever. That's the way we are. And um, but but that you know you did something nice, true. But then you made one little snide comment and undid all of it. Can I get a witness? <laughs> yeah, yeah. So that's why he says, "Be hospitable." And you know, it's one thing to do nice things, but to do it without griping and griping behind the back. But you know how we do it. He says, without complaining. It's a funny word that's translated from the original language there. And so this is part of my job. You know, we all have, I'm going to talk about serving and gifts in just a minute. But we all have different gifts in serving. And so uh, preaching and teaching is what I'm called to do. And so I might take many, 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 many hours of study. You might not be able to find that much time to study. But you guys have made it to where it's one of my jobs and responsibilities that I take the time to study. So you're getting the fruit of many, 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 many hours of my study in the word kind of boiled down and compiled for you. So you can have it and, and, and be equipped and trained and digest it. That's part of my ministry and my job. And in this time of studying, one of the things I want to do is I want to study all these words and I want to see what they mean because I believe every word of the book is inspired. And this is a funny word. It's translated complaining. I'll try to say it. I don't speak ancient Greek, Koine Greek, but it's a word, gongogzo. Did pretty good, didn't I? It's a onomatopoeia. 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 You know what that is? Did I say it right? I did? Thank you. You've always looked at Yvonne. Yvonne knows. All those years of teaching. She's still teaching us. It's a word that um, it... it it sounds like what it means. Okay? Like kaboom! I don't know why I just picked that. <laughs> or zoom! Those kind of words. It's a word that sounds like what it means. A muttural gr grumbling. You know how it is? Like you, you do something and you turn around. They can't understand. It sounds like you're just... And says, do nice things for each other. And don't turn around and grumble about it. You're murmuring. You're grumbling. Don't do that. Uh, because it can cancel out uh, the good thing you just tried to do. All right? So this is the kind of love we're to have. So when these bad times and these serious times we're living in, you need to intensify your prayer in your own personal daily walk with the Lord. And you need to be growing in love that you're showing to each other. And you're doing it with the right attitude. 
See all that's in there. And then the last thing, whoo, last thing. He says this in verse 10, as each has received a gift, that is from God, some were born with different abilities naturally. Just like me, the Lord knew the way he made me that I wasn't going to keep my mouth shut. So he might as well use some of that, okay? But there are different gifts that come with ministry that are spiritual gifts bestowed upon us when we're saved or as we grow as a Christian. There are some things you're going to be gifted in that you're not even going to really know it until you step out there and try it. You might find out, whoop, that's not my gift. If it's not, then don't try to do it, you know? Let's find who has the gift, right? Um, I'm only gifted in a few things, so a lot of things aren't the preacher's job around here because I'm no good at it. But there are some things that definitely are. Okay, I get that. But he says, you've received a gift. Use it to serve one another. If you've received it, serve it as good stewards. That means you're, man you're a manager of God's varied or multicolored, multifaceted grace. God's grace isn't just about saving your soul. It's about a whole lot more of equipping us to be used by him. And so as all of this grace, this gift from God that we don't deserve is given to us, we're to manage it. And he says, if you've received gift, serve one another. That's the whole point. Is any gift you have is not to draw attention to yourself and look how gifted I am. I don't know what just happened to my voice right there. But anyway, that was for emphasis, I guess. But look at me. That's not it. The whole purpose of any spiritual gift is to serve and build up others and glorify God. It's all right here. Next verse. Whoever speaks, like what I'm doing right now. If you're speaking or teaching, as one who speaks oracles of God, that is heavy. I'm not up here. I'm not free to do my own thing or, or get on my own soapbox or promote my own thing. It's got to be the word of God. The oracles of God means the word of God. And it's heavy to realize that responsibility. What you need is not my stuff. You need me to convey the oracles of God to you and teach the Bible. And there's a lot of people that get up and do stuff and some of it's feel-good stuff, some of it's legalistic stuff, and some of it's just a whole gamut. And it's them and their agenda. It needs to be the Word of God. Whew. I'm tired. Yeah. You're getting tired just watching me, aren't you, Tom? I don't, am I picking on you or am I just... Yeah, I, I appreciate the engagement here, brother. I do. I do. Um, speaks the oracles of God. You've got to have the right focus. Whoever serves. So if you're teaching or whatever... You got to realize it's God's word. If you're serving even all the stuff that needs to be done, you do it by the strength that God supplies. You're not just doing your thing. Or as we say, just doing your thing. That thing you do. That's all about you. It is serving, building up, ministering to others. And the thing about serving is usually you're doing the stuff for people who don't deserve it. You know, just like that's what grace is. God gives us what we don't deserve and could never earn. And said you do it in the strength that God supplies. So I'm not doing this in my, this is not about me and my abilities. It's about God and his power in my life. In order that in everything, here's the ultimate goal. You're going to serve, you're going to build others up. In everything that God may be glorified. How much are we doing that a 
puts a spotlight on us or gets attention or the pats on the back. And hey, if you ever did the five love languages, Dr. Gary Chapman, we do that and, and, and preparing for in, in marriage, and, but all relationships, we need this study. We probably need to go through it again. But anyway, my number one love language are, guess what? Words of affirmation. Yeah. And, and, and I, I can really, I, 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 I dig for them. You know, I want them. So how was that? Did I do good today? Sorry, Clarissa. It's like the bottom of her list. She, she doesn't require it. Bless her heart. There's, there's not a lot of, I would say there's not a lot of women that way, you know, because they're always, you know, it's usually pretty high up on the list. But she does, she's never really required me to, uh, if I don't say anything about how she looks, her hair, how she looks. It doesn't seem to affect you too badly. But. But I have that. <laughs> There's been some of these conferences we go to. Okay, when it comes to this part, um, I'll go with the women, you go with the guys, all right? You know, because we're kind of flip-flop in those areas, like how many words we use a day. Usually the woman has like 50,000 words a day and a guy like 12,000. And we're flip-flopping on that one too, aren't we? But I'll be, and I mean it. It's not that I'm, but sometimes, sometimes I'm actually being selfish and shallow I thought you would look at me shocked, but everybody's like, yeah, I, guess, I can see that. And I'm like, well, you look beautiful today. Oh, your hair looks beautiful. I just start, you know, just going over everything and everything. Thank you. Thank you. She's appreciative. <laughs> and how about over here? <laughs> oh, you know, I know if I, yeah. So, <laughs> so we work on that, don't we? And, um, and, and her top gifts, I have to work on, because some of these things don't come naturally. The thing about it is, something may not be your native language, but you can learn to speak it like we learned that in that study. And that's all part of relationship. But um, it's hard not to get the focus. It's just the most natural thing in the world that we get the focus off of the glory of God and on ourselves. I mean, we all want to be appreciated. And I, and, and, and can I just back up and footnote something here just for a second. Um, I think it's important, and I mean it sincerely for all of you, and, and there's times I'm blessed, and I just want to count my blessings, and I'm saying, thank you for what you do. Thank you for this, and thank you for that, and I appreciate you, and, and, and I'm constantly, Cheryl, appreciate the work you guys are putting in preparing worship and all this stuff. I'm not doing it just so, so thank you for bringing the word, buddy. It's not, okay? It's really not. It's okay, by the way, if you do that, but, but I just want a footnote because I do try to give words of affirmation because those those do come more naturally for me, but we all can do it, right? But it's not about us. We want to do our very best for God. We want to know that one another, that we love one another and we appreciate and we do affirm one another. But all the glory has to go to God. He doesn't share the spotlight. If, if, if any of us get to trying to hog that spotlight from God, we need to, others just lovingly boot us right out of there. Okay. In order that in everything God may be glorified through Jesus Christ. Unless it's through Christ, it's not going to amount to his glory. That's how we have relationship. That's how we are saved. It's all through Christ. And then he just finished up. To him belong glory and dominion forever and ever. So really the focus is not us and poor us and what we're going through. Or what great things we're doing for God. And we do want to do great things for God. But we want to do great things so God gets all the glory, whether we're noticed or not. So this is it, serve. 
If you've received it, then serve it. Genuinely and sincerely. It's that grace of God flowing through us. The ability, God supplies it. And the purpose is that he gets the glory through Christ. Now, Jesus taught this in a story in Matthew 25 about how that, um, the gifts and using them. Um, when he had you know, this story about, this is about the end times, about how that there was this big uh, landowner and uh, he was going on a journey and he gave uh, his servants a certain amount of responsibility. Um, that they were each entrusted to a different number of, uh, the old word is talents, but a talent hasn't got anything to do with your physical or ability. A talent in, in that sense used was a unit of money worth about, um, a talent was somewhere around 20 years wage. It's a lot. It's a, it's a big amount of money. So he gave them this, to use, and he went away, and he came back, and you know, the first one was given five, the next one was given, what, two, and then one was given one, and then when he came back and was accounting, the one that was given five doubled his, the other one doubled his, but the one that was just given one went and did what? Buried it. Uh, Buried it. If you've received it, he wants you to use it for his glory. That was the whole point of that, and if you read through that story, you find out why he did it. Why did he? The, what was his excuse? What was his real excuse? I know he said a lot of things, but um, in uh, verse, where is it? Verse 25, he says, I was afraid and I went and hid your talent in the ground. Here you have what is yours. He really wanted no part with it. He didn't, he didn't really take that and use it for his master. And this is the point that Jesus was getting at. Jesus said, it wasn't because you're afraid, but he says, you wicked and lazy servant. <laughs> he said, you're wicked and lazy. That's why. I don't want to be like that, okay? Uh, he makes this incredible story here to tell us this. And, and when this end of all things actually happens, the next thing Jesus tells, he tells us what it's going to be like in judgment. Right after he tells that story. He says, when the Son of Man, in verse 31 of Matthew 25, comes in his glory with all of his angels with him, he'll sit down on his glorious throne. This is going to happen, folks. And before him will be gathered all the nations, and he will separate people one from another as a shepherd separates sheep from the goats. And, and you know, he places the sheep on his right hand, the goats on the left. And then he says to those on the right, you know, to come, blessed of my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you. And to the others on the other side, he says, depart from me. Okay, and it keeps it really simple. How will we know? How will the world know? How will the world know that we really belong to him? And he keeps it really simple. He says all these different things, you know, like I was hungry and you fed me. I was naked and you clothed me. I was a prisoner and you came and visited me. All these different things that they did to serve and to help one another. And, and he says, and as much as you did it to the very least, the very low class, low down of, the, of these, he said, I want you to know you did it for me. You were doing it to me. And the other ones were like, the fact that you didn't do this, you didn't serve me. Do you see how simple he gets that as far as the, the living out of it? It's by the simple things that we do to show his love, even to the least of these, that mark us out as those who belong to him. Um, 
This is why we help those who can't give anything back. This is why we have a burden to pick up and care for uh, uh, those around who, who can't take care of themselves and, and to try to help people that, that have grown in generations of families that have never helped or taught or anything. End time living is focused on using all the gifts and the abilities and the love that God has given us to serve others and glorify him. That's it. Wow, this end time sermon didn't turn out to be so exciting, did it? Let's, let's take home. Now, the word church in the Bible, the word that's translated church in the New Testament never refers to a building. It's the word ecclesia, and it means literally the called out. It it's always refers to people. We're the called out. He's calling us out. He calls us to be separate. You know what another word for separate is? Holy. God is holy. That he's unlike anything else in the universe. Our focus today was on holiness and God's perfection. And he's calling us into that. Calling us out of the darkness, out of the mess we's in, and into his kingdom. And right now in the last days, God wants his people focused on this, his called out people focused on praying and loving and serving all to the glory of God as he uses us to call out more before it's too late. And it's getting late. The end of all things is at hand. Pray with me. Father.